All right, all right, all right. Welcome back to the Expert Edge. Colin Boyd in the driver's seat. Hope you are doing well. Uh, how you doing? How are you doing? I hope you are feeling good. Maybe you're going for a walk or listening to it in the car, but wherever you are, this is what I know. You're going to get a lot of value from today's conversation. I got to have a fantastic uh, podcast episode with one of our students and also our, um, a marketing expert uh, that I really respect. Um, she has an amazing philosophy on marketing. She's been running her expert and coaching business for many years. And we just have a really amazing conversation with a lady called Laura Higgins. And Laura Higgins uh, runs the Lala, it's called Lala, Lala Social Marketing Club. And essentially, she helps uh, mainly creative-based businesses to market and create messages that really attract their audience. And I wanted to have her on the podcast because I know she's helped and uh, advised uh, some of our elite students uh, throughout the journey that um, she's been in elite. And I wanted to bring her on to just have a chat about what's working for marketing right now. And so we talk about all things, uh, how to create like lead magnets that actually generate sales. And I think that most people don't get their lead magnets right so we talk about what the, what's the difference between, between a great lead magnet that generates um, leads and then that leads into sales. We talk about the one thing that she recommends most people aren't doing enough of in their marketing. Uh, and I think that's going to help you make a lot, a lot of money. So listen out for that. We talk about what to do in between launches. So if you're uh, doing webinars or doing a, a launch or something like that, a lot of the time people kind of take their foot off the accelerator in between launches and then they launch again and they, they launch to the same people, right? And so that's okay. Okay, but it also doesn't mean you're going to grow and scale. So we talk about how to how to basically grow your list effectively in between launches, and then we just have a chat about uh, branding in general and her general philosophy of branding. And I found it really helpful just to um, hear her philosophy of branding because she's built a really great brand. She's got a really engaged following, and I think if you're a coach, a course creator, an expert, you're going to find this really really helpful. Uh, she also, at the end, shares uh, some really helpful resources that will help you to build out your Instagram profiles and so forth like that. So I think it's going to, you know, you're really going to enjoy this conversation. So let's get into this conversation all about uh, marketing your expert business with Laura Higgins. You are listening to the Expert Edge podcast. This is the place where experts come to command the stage position themselves as authorities, and scale their business up. Get ready to access your next level of potential with your host, Colin Boyd. So, Laura Higgins, welcome to the Expert Edge. Thank you so much for having me, Colin. I'm so excited to be with you. Oh, great. Hey, we're going to have a great conversation today. Uh, I know you've added a lot of value in our communities uh, around content marketing, generating leads and all that sort of stuff. And so I wanted to bring you on the Expert Edge and uh, get you to share some strategies, some insights and some of the latest um, methods that coaches and speakers and content creators and creatives, which I know you really focus on, um, can use to generate more leads. So first of all, for the listeners, can you tell us a little bit about kind of what you do, how you help people um, and some of the content you want to talk about today? Yes, absolutely. So I'm a, I actually do marketing strategy and marketing coaching 
for businesses and creative entrepreneurs who want to cut through the noise. So there's a lot of noise in online marketing, as we know, Mm. and really it's about having a strategy that helps you to cut through and, and get the attention of your dream clients because there's a sea of competitors, there's a sea of people online. And so we really need to focus in on, okay, what are the things that my people care about and how do I communicate that to them? Because at the end of the day, marketing is really just communication. So my big area of focus is how are we communicating in a way that resonates with your people online? So we look at Instagram, we look at your email list, we look at ads, anything that you are doing online, anything that you're producing online and sharing with your ideal client, we we look at, okay, what's a strategy to actually do that in the best way possible? Mm, that's great. So um, what, what would you say from the area of like content marketing? Is there a specific area that you've been really interested in lately that's been sparking your interest or maybe it's a platform, maybe it's a Maybe it's just a principle or an idea that you've been really teaching your clients that you feel like is something that people should be really focusing on over the next season. Yes, I love this question. So the big thing that I find, and I'm not sure if this is just in my niche, but a lot of creatives are sheepish about making offers. They're really funny about actually selling because they don't want to seem pushy. They don't want to seem salesy. And I know that that's exactly what you teach, Colin. You're like, you can actually sell without being pushy and salesy. And so I lately have just been, everything I've been sharing with my community has been, hey, like selling is serving. And if you don't actually let people know consistently how you can help them, if you haven't shared your offer in a month, people aren't going to remember. They're never going to think of you, you know? So I find that a lot of like in our, in our coaching, I will be saying, okay, when was the last time you shared actually how someone could pay you to solve a problem? And people will be like, oh, in March. And I'm like, oh my goodness, come on. Like you've got to be consistently sharing how you help people. And it, it's a mindset shift from, oh no, I'm taking from them if I, if I promote what I do to actually, no, I'm, I'm giving to them if I share what I do. Mm. So I think that's been the big thing. Like how are you telling people what your offer is in a way that feels authentic, feels like value adding, but also moves the needle and gets people into your programs or into your services or products? How, how much do you feel like because there's a whole like, you know, different content marketing strategies as like providing how-to content or providing, you know, like, you know, all the mistakes that people make or sharing identities, like, or, you know, you know, all like there's so many different strategies. And then obviously there's an offer, right? An offer, which is kind of the next step. Um, how do you see the process of someone like building an audience through their content marketing strategy and leading to an offer? Like, would you recommend someone to kind of lead with an offer pretty quickly or build for a while and then make an offer? Like how, how do you help people, your clients conceptualize the process of building an audience, building trust, and then making an offer? Yeah. So 
I I feel like it's probably far less linear than we think. Mm. I I feel like what happens is people think I need to add value, add value, add value, and and that's great. And I think if you're not adding value, you're adding to the noise. But I think we need to redefine what does adding value really look like because I feel like our consumers are far more sophisticated now. So free content, I say that with little inverted commas, but free content has a bit of a, uh, like, it can feel like, oh, they're going to try to sell something. Like, Mm. you know, it can kind of feel like that. So I would almost rather people mix in from the get-go, hey, every week or whatever the frequency is, we we deliver something educational, something how-to, something that adds value. It it helps people to solve the problem that they have. That's the first category. The second is inspire and connect. So actually people want to connect with people, particularly on social mm. media. So yeah. what can you do to connect people to you as an expert and actually help them to feel like they're part of your life. And I feel like, Colin, you do this super well. Like you just take videos on your stories of you wandering, like going to the beach, walking mm. around, like that That connects people to you. And so we need to really be strategic about that and sharing personal content, letting people know what you're doing on the weekend. It, it feels like, oh, okay, that makes it's kind of obvious, but that that content pillar allows you, it kind of puts, um, uh, I want to say like money in the bank in mm. terms of you're not emotional money in all the, the time. Yeah, exactly. Emotional money in the bank. So that, that pillar is really important. And then the, the third pillar is all about making an offer. So it's mm. all about, okay, how can we actually, how can we actually say to people, this is exactly how I help you. And here's where you can get it. And that offer could be, I have this, I have this freebie. Here's how you can download it because it's moving someone to your email list or it's moving someone to your webinar or whatever it is Hmm. that it doesn't have to always be a paid offer, but it's just a next step for that person. And then the final category. So there's four categories. The final category is entertain. And I think a lot of the platforms now are like, especially Instagram and the rise of TikTok, it's like people want to be entertained. Mm. It's it's a social platform. So funny reels, like, you know, funny, like sharing memes, tweets, funny things like that. People actually want to be entertained on the platform. So those four categories, the educate, inspire and connect, offer and entertain I find when people are doing all four of those things, it's a really holistic content strategy and it really means that you're not uh, being pushy but you're not also delivering too much of the how as well. Yeah, I like that. So educate, like helpful ideas, content, that could even be the mistakes they're making, that sort of stuff. Exactly. Um, Inspirational ideas that could be like stories and sharing your story, sharing clients' stories. Um, making an offer, the next steps and entertainment. Uh, I really like that blend. It's funny um, whenever we're creating reels with, with Sarah and I, 
for my Instagram, I, I am thinking about like, how do we make someone laugh? And I usually find if, <laughs> if, if I'm laughing while making the reel, it's probably going to go well. Um, yes. And at the time of this, I've got, um, as to just to blow my own horn a little bit, it's inspired by a lot of your stuff, <laughs> is um, I've got 15,000 followers. We've, we just did a reel that hit a million views. A million. That's amazing. Organically. Isn't that not like with, there's probably like 700 comments on the, on the reel. And we get about a hundred followers a day from that wow. reel at, at the moment. It's absolutely nuts. And, and we're getting reels that are like, we've out of the like 15 reels, we've had about five that have gone over 200,000 views. Um, wow. And it's literally just been from entertainment. Uh, entertainment is a big one. Um, and pretty broad ideas. I find that if I go super narrow, I don't know what your thoughts are on this. Like if I go too narrow, like for me, I would say, you know, like something around like selling on a webinar, because that's kind of my topic, right? Um, if I go too narrow, it doesn't go as big, but if I go broader, like, you know, this is what online entrepreneurs go through, like a general (laughs) one, it goes a lot bigger and it's like stupid or funny. And, um, that like, and by the way, I mean, for us, like we get our inspiration from like literally just looking at what's working and then kind of recreating that for our own niche and so forth. Um, so I'm curious about like, yeah, how do you, how do you get in, how do you recommend people get inspiration for their content of like, you know, their inspiring content, their entertaining content? Like what is, what are some ways that you recommend us as coaches and and content creators get inspiration for that. Yeah, I I find I think that when it's something is relatable and and that idea of it being broad and universally mm. a universally felt thing. So mm. for us we did this reel about creatives trying to sell their services and yep. it was like me fumbling being like you want to know like how much it is like what like why would you ask me that kind of thing and just being why would so you ask weird. me such an intrusive question <laughs> yeah totally being so put off that someone would ask like how much is this service or product uh, and so that went really well and and actually just as a side note one thing that we started doing was we started running ads um we started saving the reel and running ads on the reel mm. um just as an engagement um ad and they went really well because everything's geared towards video and it's short yeah. and it's, it's um, yeah, it's, it's kind of snappy the way that it's, they're shot. Um, so that's just an aside. But I think for me, I find particularly when it comes to something like finding something relatable, I find it's about listening to what people are saying and so if it rings true with your audience, so the creatives trying to sell their services, that really rings true for people. And they're like, oh my gosh, this is me. And, and I know that the one that you did where, was it you in bed? Like, Yes. That's the one that went yeah. to a million. Now when I say a million, it's so like 998,000 or something. It's like right on a million. You got to round, round it up. Round you got to round it up. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the one, yeah. The one I'm sitting in bed and they're like, it's 3 p.m. Like, what are you doing in bed? He's like, it's well, it's office hours. Like, this is my office. Like, yeah. and it's and, and I said every online entrepreneur these days or something like that. And everyone's just like, you know, yeah. commenting on it. But it's that whole relatability yeah. thing of like, 
It's funny. It's relatable. And we got, we got that idea from someone else's reel, right? We just saw them, they did it, but they didn't write it for online entrepreneurs. They wrote it for something else. And I was like, oh, that'll, that'll relate to online entrepreneurs. So we just reshot it. Um, And what's funny was my wife and I on this topic, we fought over this. When I say fought, like I just basically said to Sarah, I think that's a stupid idea. I was like, I don't think this is going to work. Like, this is stupid. Like, why would I sit in bed and do this real? Like, it seems like the stupidest idea ever. And she's like, I think it's going to, I think it's going to work. Right. As usual, I should just listen to her. Yes. Uh, she's you way smarter than me. And then, um, and we shot it. And then a million views later, I'm like, okay, this thing, this one worked. Yeah. Sarah, Sarah knows what's up. We must, we must all trust Sarah on these things. Yeah. Um, I do know with reels as well, like, um, you can get a lot of inspiration from TikTok. So yeah. if you are wanting to do reels, jumping into TikTok, even if it scares you or makes you feel like a really old person, um, jump into TikTok and get some inspiration there because that's where all the trends come from anyway. So that's mm. just like a practical thing. When but you I say do think- inspiration, like what does that look like? Like when I'm searching for inspiration, how do I do that more strategically so that I don't just spend an hour just like kerfuffling around on the app? You could, I mean, in terms of inst- like searching on Instagram, you could yep. be looking through hashtags. You could be looking at like uh, another thing that I get is um, Huffington Post send out, um, because my audience are mostly women, they send out this email once a week that are the funniest tweets on the internet from mm. women this week. So I am, I'm looking at those and I'm wanting to like, if there's something funny there that I think will relate, I'm like, great, let's take a screenshot of it. Let's post it kind of thing. So things like that, if you can be getting, you know, that Huffington Post email, totally sign up for it. But I think as well, it's just searching for hashtags within your niche um, and also looking at the explore page as well. So looking at, okay, what what things am I seeing? Especially if you're you're serving someone who is like you five years ago kind of thing, then looking at, okay, what, what is the algorithm showing me that's funny or entertaining as well? And, and looking at what are some trending sounds? What are sounds that are doing well? I know that there are little things that you can look at, like just a technical thing. If a, if an audio on a reel has the little arrow next to it, it means that that it's trending. Yeah. Yeah. And that makes a huge difference, right? Like if you hook yeah. into a trending audio, like, because yep. I know for us, that was one of the, that, I mean, I know Sarah's always looking for that. So, mm. so that's like a massive strategy of like, if it's trending, you hook into that audio in the next 24 hours and you've got a lot higher chance of, of it blowing up, like we're getting a lot more yeah. views. Yeah. And it's, it's a funny thing with reels because there's no specific rhyme or reason for why something performs well it's kind Mm. of just it's like the stars aligning a little bit of getting the (laughs) getting the right audio having the right like the actual right footage and I think as well the hook like the headline is really important so for us we did one recently that was like this strategy works zero percent of the time. Yeah, and so it's kind of like zero so percent of the time, every time. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> and it's and it's kind of like that contrarian content piece that you do often as well, Colin. Like yeah. the this this kind of sucks, and so like yes. let's just say what it is, and and that 
hooks people because they're like, why would they be talking about something that doesn't work? Like, and so it, it, it really, so good. it hooks people. Let me people show in. you my worst strategy. <laughs> yeah. Let me show you something that's guaranteed not to work. <laughs> that is such a good angle. Yes. <laughs> I love that. So, um, okay. So in terms of what about like you, you brought up before we got on the call, um, was about, you know, everyone focuses on their launches. So they're like, they're launching a product, doing a promotion. And all of a sudden they come out from the gates, they're sending emails, they're sending <laughs> text messages, they're doing nine posts a day. And then they've, they've come from like a standing start to mm-hmm. like running a hundred meter sprint from nowhere. And then, but it, the problem is if you do that, like two or three times in a row, you end up just launching to the same people and yeah and people kind of know what you're doing and it just feels a bit like uh, a bit kind of inauthentic um yeah what what do you say to people around how, how to think about the content strategy in between launches and the impact of that and, and so forth yeah so i know <clears throat> sorry so i know for for me like doing self from stage and and doing elite i was very aware of, okay, I have a strategy for the webinar and I know mm. how I'm going to present. And I, your program was that you taught us how to, it wasn't just how to do the webinar, but actually how to launch. It kind of ended up becoming, you taught people the strategy behind getting people to actually say yes to your program. Mm. So I, I felt like I had a strategy for that and I really understood, okay, I felt confident with presenting and all those things. But what happened in between launches, so we were doing launches twice a year. Right. It's a long time between drinks. <laughs> like yeah. it's a long time. That is a long time. No, you definitely need a strategy in between there. Absolutely. Totally. Because otherwise you're like, yeah, totally what you're saying of you're kind of starting from a standstill. So we really, and, and this took us a bit of time to figure out, but we started developing, okay, how do we, how do we actually kind of maintain momentum? Because during a launch, you get, I find for us, we get a lot of attention. We get a lot of new followers. There's yeah. kind of this like launch echo thing that happens where, totally. yeah, even the people who don't buy, they're, they're looking at you kind of thing. Um, so for us, we, we were like, okay, how do we actually fill our pipeline again so that we don't feel like we're speaking to the same people all the time? So we we did a few key things. The first thing, which is what you told me time and time again, Colin, you were like, you need to refine your niche, sister friend, like you are you're talking to. <laughs> Every coaching call. Yeah, totally. You're like, Laura. Let's narrow this a- puppy. <laughs> <laughs> there's a solution here. So, so I really reluctantly was like, okay, I need to refine this niche. And I still do think I need to refine my niche further. I I do think that there's, there's still, you know, a narrower niche for me personally, but I, but I know for now I'm really stoked with, with the audience that we speak with. So we went from speaking to, I think when I first, first started working with you, Colin, I was speaking to small business owners and then you were like, that's too too broad. Then I started speaking to service providers, like female yes, service I providers. That. And that was like my first step. 
And now I work specifically with creative entrepreneurs. So Mm. mostly like interior designers, website designers, photographers, like creatives, coaches, but creatives who are providing a service. Yes. So that has been like a bit of a, there's been multiple iterations of that. And I went on that journey. I mean, for me, it took like eight years. It's such a process. Yeah. Eight years. It's, like I would say at least eight years to, to, to choose a niche. Yeah. <laughs> so, And do you feel yeah. like it continues to evolve? It, it does to a certain extent. I'm really happy with what I'm doing in terms of the focus at the moment. Um, but it definitely, like, it takes a lot of courage and takes a lot of, like, to, um, yeah, just just trial and error to mm. narrow it down and narrow it down. And you, you like, and I think for all the listeners out there, you hear that, you hear the advice of, like, oh, narrow the niche, narrow the niche. And, you, you, you know, you get more people if you narrow. And I was, I was like, I know, like, I get it all, but I don't think I'm going to do that. And, <laughs> you know. <laughs> So, but partly I just didn't, I didn't know who I wanted to serve and that sort of stuff. And so um, I, I'm stoked that you're narrowing it more and more yeah. and, and the, the narrower you go in your marketing, the more powerful it is. So, um, but yeah, keep going um, in terms of, so, yeah, you go. Well, the, the thing we had to do to actually, so essentially we, between launches, we were able to double our email list and nice. What we did was we refined the niche. So we were like, okay, let's speak to creatives only. And mm-hmm. then that meant that that it meant a couple of things. It meant our ads targeting was so spot on. Yes. Because it, it we weren't trying to speak to financial advisors or like because service provider is is still quite broad. So we we narrowed our niche. It meant that our ads targeting was was really spot on, but it also meant that our messaging was was kind of laser focused. Yeah. So it allowed. And that's the key, eh? The messaging, like yes. when you get that dialed in, then it's like it's like it's kind of like for me, the narrowing is like you've built the water slide, and then the messaging is like you put the water down, and you, like people start actually sliding down it when you nail that in messaging. Yes, and it's it's kind of this funny cocktail of having to get the hook like to create a perfect lead magnet it's like you have to get the hook of it right like the it's actually not that important what's in it (laughs) it's like (laughs) it's funny it's like so we did a lot of work on okay so now we're speaking to creatives what do they really want they want to know how to create creative content like content Mm. that doesn't feel pushy or salesy Mm. that actually moves the needle it's not just free stuff So for us, we went, okay, let's create a lead magnet that is full of creative content ideas for creative entrepreneurs so that they can implement that on Instagram. And it was really detailed. It gave a lot of like frameworks for content and all those cool things. But we had to test the title. We had to test the, the like audience. We had to test the messaging. Like there were all these tests that we had to do in order to actually uh, get it to the spot where cool, like this is resonating. And that's where we get the Mm. momentum with our ads as well. So we, once we refined the niche, then we could create a really killer lead magnet. Once we created that lead magnet, we then tested different titles for the lead magnet, not really changing anything about the lead magnet, just the title, which, which was really helpful to kind of go, Oh, I don't need to like reinvent the wheel here. Like, (laughs) 
can it can kind of just we can just change the the name of it. We tested two different lead magnets. Um, and, and what did you find we, worked? What did you find worked? So we tested one that was um, five ways to turn your followers into clients. And then we tested the second one, the one that actually worked, which was 17 creative content ideas to land new clients on Instagram. So specific because it was about landing clients. Mm. Um, It was about Instagram and it was about creative content. Mm. So that worked really well. And then we tested different landing pages. We tested like you've kind of got to be prepared to do the long game because that lead magnet We've been running for over six months and every day we've got people signing up to the list. So it's, and the other thing I find with ads is that once Facebook gets out of that learning phase, that's when things really like start to happen. And so we find that people people will respond to emails and be like, oh, I'm a photographer and I'm, I'm starting my business or I'm a, an interior designer or I'm a florist or mm. whatever. And we, we can actually see these are our people that are in our list now. And we've mm. kind of um, weeded out any people who aren't necessarily the right fit anymore. Yeah. So the whole idea of, um, because I mean, I've, I love lead magnets. I think lead magnets have, you know, they've been around for a while, but I think that a lot of people get them wrong. Um, How does someone get them right? Like, how do you, like what you were saying about, obviously you got to test the angle, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. But but how do you, how do you need to think about what's an example of a good lead magnet for someone and how do they think through that process of, you like creating their league magnet so that it actually leads to their offer. Yeah. And what I see as well is a lot of people try to stack too much info into the lead magnet and it becomes Mm. more like a brochure kind of thing. (laughs) Like it, it's not actually actionable for someone to go, okay, I can actually implement these ideas. So, so I think the, the hook needs to be really compelling. It needs to actually be what people want. Um, So again, knowing your audience is really helpful. But the second thing I think as well is it needs to actually have a promise. So for us, and you talk about this all the time, Colin, like even with the name of your webinar, like it has to have an outcome that people really want to achieve. So knowing what the promise is, is and and how that promise works in with your paid offer is really mm. important because you can do a lead magnet that's like here's how to do this thing and if it's not if it if there's no context that that kind of flows nicely into your paid offer then it's kind of just a valuable piece of information that yes. probably someone could google so I think it needs to have, the other thing I would say is don't be afraid to put some uniqueness or some personality into your lead magnet so that people feel like, oh, I couldn't get this information anywhere else because it's this person's unique angle or perspective Mm -hmm. or framework. Like there's something where you can't really compete with that. If, If you have a unique framework, it's like, well, that's, that's your framework and, and no one else can do that. So it kind yeah. of, it sets you apart. Um, yeah. The other, th- 
The other thing I, I will like say that. is... It, makes me, it actually makes me think like about even in the start of a lead magnet, kind of identifying that. Like, you know, in the first paragraph or so, you know, this yeah. is going to be unique content. This is not available anywhere else. Like, it's kind of yeah. like almost for me when I think about pitching, like, or when I think about just running a webinar or a presentation, like it's, you got to kind of talk about why this is going to be unique compared to everything else. Why this is something that they can't get, a, you know, anywhere else. Completely. And, and I would say as well, like two, two additional things, experiment with the method of the lead magnet. So, you know, for us, that 17 creative content ideas, that's an ebook, but we've tried different, different things and, and a bunch of them haven't worked. So we've tried doing a weekly video and that's kind of our nurture funnel now, but it's, it's like, what I find is is really funny is that we we often think okay this hasn't this hasn't worked never mind I've created it for nothing I'll just throw it out but if you can repackage something um, then you know you don't have to ditch that content you can mm-hmm. use it somewhere else so if it doesn't work as a if it's not a compelling lead magnet for like top of your funnel then you can use it somewhere else you don't have to. Like you could add it as a value add in your welcome sequence later on. So you don't have to throw it out. And, and the second thing is once you, like it's really important what happens after someone signs up to your lead magnet. So Talk about that. Yeah. So when, when someone signs up to a specific lead magnet, we want it to feel really seamless that the welcome sequence to feel really and for anyone listening a welcome sequence is just a series of emails that onboards your subscriber so that they know who you are you're not just a random person on the internet anymore essentially so what we want to do is we want to bring them into your world and your unique way of doing things again that uniqueness is what sets you apart in a sea of noise Mm. so we really want to onboard them and and let them know, hey, like we serve this type of person and this is exactly what we do and this is our framework for how we do it and delivering more value, all of those, all of those things. But I think it's really important to embed. You cannot get what we're teaching anywhere else because it's mm. unique. It's been tested over years. We have this framework. And, and I know, Colin, like anything that you teach in, webinars like when you're presenting is present a framework that actually visually shows what the journey is so it's not information overload it can be graphical it can be a flowchart or a Venn diagram or whatever but we need to be showing that we have something unique and we have a methodology that is unique as well so I, I think embedding that in that welcome sequence as soon as you start to onboard people is is really helpful. I love that. You know, I even reflect on our welcome sequence and I think that that's something that we could probably focus on more. So that's really helpful. And I think for all the listeners, you know, thinking about with your lead magnet and your welcome sequence, like, are you positioning your content that it's really valuable and you probably really valuable, but more like, is it unique? Like this is the only place Mm. you can get it. Um, All that sort of stuff. So I love that. I love that. Um, What else for you has like in, in terms of, excuse me, when someone's thinking about like growing their audience, what do they need to be thinking about to grow their audience 
um, and grow the right audience on like even like Instagram or, you know, something like that. Like that's a classic platform that a lot of our, our audience use. What, what's your thoughts on like growing the audience and, um, yeah. you know, planning to grow that and so forth? I think, you know, I, I do feel like growing your Instagram audience is a long game. I don't mm. think you need to have tens of thousands of followers to make money on Instagram at all. I think you can do really like do really well in terms of sales on with a smaller audience. Mm. I think it comes back to that niche. <clears throat> Pardon me, sorry. So it comes back to that niche. So I think having clarity on who you're speaking to and saying that. So I think mm. there are things even in your Instagram bio where you can actually say like um, there's a few like just technical things and Instagram has like an SEO essentially. So if I have, you know, you have your username and um, like yep. at Colin Boyd and then you have your full name, which could be Colin um, sell from stage or learn how to sell from a webinar. Like you can actually yeah. have that in your name and now they've upped it. So it's 30 characters so you can actually have quite a lot of info in your name so that if people are searching for your specific service, so if I said marketing coach for creatives, yeah. if someone's actually searching, I need a marketing coach or I need a coach for my creative business, mm. I want like I want our account to show up. So like you can do strategic things mm. like that and they're little I one that percenters. That, that, yeah, because yeah, because my handle is at Colin Boyd. So I managed yeah. to get my actual name as my handle. So I don't even really need my name as the name. Like you can yeah. do it as like, you know, sell from virtual stage expert or something. Completely. And you, you'd you have space in the characters mm. to actually do that. So there's, it's really, there are things you can do to actually make your profile more searchable which I think really helps when you're trying to become known for that one thing experimenting with that name because if you know what people are searching then you can try to in google terms like rank for that so that's a really practical thing I think making sure your content speaks to that specific person at all times Mm. that's really important Um, the other thing I will say is that You've got to be, every time Instagram releases a new feature, you've got to be jumping on the feature. You don't have to do it how everyone else does it. If you don't want to dance on reels, you don't have to, whatever. But you need to adopt the new features because that's how you get in front of more eyeballs. Mm. So I think it's about having like being strategic with what you actually say in your Instagram bio, in your name. And I think also having a content strategy and then adopting the new features. The one thing we did with our students this week was I made everyone go back through their Instagram insights and was like, great, look at your best performing post in the last 90 days. Now I want you to create a reel from that post. So the content that you've produced for that, create a reel because it's just repurposing existing content. So, but it's in a new uh, kind of delivery method um, and one that the algorithm loves. So just simple things like that, repurposing your existing content into reels could be a really great way to give that content new life 
but also to get in front of more eyeballs. Mm. No, I love that. And I think that, because I think what you brought up is like, I mean, that's one of our kind of favorite strategies is, is like for most people that don't realize what their data is actually telling them. And so yeah. just literally scrolling back and going, what's the most like post, the most comment post, and either just reposting it or, yeah. <laughs> um, or, or like changing it, obviously. And I like what you said, like making it a different mechanism of delivery. Maybe it's a yeah. reel or a video or a, something like that and kind of changing it up. And then, it, but that content should resonate with your audience again the same way. Yeah. And I think also looking at saves is a really good metric too, Ooh, particularly, yes. yeah, particularly for educational content. If you have a post that is saved a bunch, then you know that people are, have found that valuable enough to to want to go back to it later. So you can you can look at all of that in your Instagram insights. You don't need a third party app or anything like that. You can just do it on your phone. Yeah, no, I love that. What's um you know for our listeners, they are content creators, coaches. Some of them are creatives. Um, what is one thing that they could do this week from every, everything we talked about, some of, maybe we could just recover some of the stuff we talked about, but what's mm. one thing that they could do an action item that they could do from today's conversation that you would recommend them to do that could maybe take them, you know, 20 minutes or something like that this week that could make a difference. I would say, I would say either repurpose a high performing piece of content into yep. a different different method or mechanism yeah. or if you haven't shared your offer in the last <laughs> two weeks I want you to share your offer because it's going to mm. even if people don't immediately click through and want to buy your thing it just reinforces oh when I need that thing mm. I'm going to go to that person because they've consistently told me that's what they do and that's mm. that's how they help so packaging up making sure that your offer post is you're doing it often and it might feel repetitive and it probably should feel repetitive because <laughs> you have an offer and it should feel like that's the problem you solve. You want to become known for that problem. So even if you feel like it's repetitive, it's still really important to keep sharing it. I like that. It's so true because when you think about it, like a lot of the times things that I buy, I've seen the offer, especially with an online course and stuff like that. I'll see the offer like 35 times before I buy it, you know, yeah. like in, in all different forms, um, especially yeah. if it's like a higher ticket one, I'll see it like a lot of times I'll be thinking about it and so forth and processing it. And, and it's, you know, so often we think, Oh, I've made the offer once, <laughs> you know, like maybe yeah. they just don't want to buy, but it's like, uh, you know, human behavior says, I think it's typically like nine times they have to see the offer yeah. before they make a purchase. Um, uh, and I love that. And I even think, yeah, like I think kind of what you're saying, like you can look back in your Instagram and go like, almost for me, I'm thinking like every nine posts, because you know how you can see like nine boxes. Is yep. there an offer in one of those? Um, yes, I so love like that. Every time I'm scrolling through on the, yeah, on the screen, sh there should be an offer every nine posts kind of thing. That's, That's a really good metric because it, yeah, it's not overkill doing that at yeah. all. Yeah. yeah. And I think the other thing is we've got to remember that a lot of people want what you're selling, but they aren't ready to buy yet. Yeah. So we need to be keep like we need to keep showing up so that when they are ready to buy, they haven't forgotten about you. Because <laughs> that's no, I love that. easy to do. It's easy to kind of get <laughs> lost in the noise.
<laughs> so good. Uh, Laura, we've covered some really cool content here today. And I know that you've helped a lot of our um, self from, especially our self from stage elite students with their marketing content and, and given them a whole bunch of tools, which I'm very grateful for. Uh, I know I wanted to give something to every, everyone who's listening here today, something useful that they can download and get access to right away. So could you direct um, them to where they can follow you on Instagram and then where they can maybe grab, uh, you know, like a, uh, something helpful and useful and what that is? Yes, absolutely. Well, you can follow me on Instagram at lalasocialclub.co um, and feel free to send me a DM. I love chatting with anyone in Colin's community. It's such a beautiful community of people. Um, and so Lala, L-A-L-A. Yes, L-A-L-A. Yeah, we'll put the link in the show notes, but lalasocialclub.co. .co, yes. Love it. And if you want to get access to that guide that I was speaking about, the 17 creative content ideas, yeah. um, all you need to do is head over to mymarketingplaybook.com forward slash creative content. Great. Mymarketingplaybook.com forward slash creative content. Uh, yes. Guys, go and download that. Check that out. I, I'm sure that'll give you a whole bunch of inspirational ideas that you can use on your creative content. We'll link it up in the show notes as well. Uh, but Laura, any final encouragements that you would make to people of like, maybe they've tried to work out marketing before and they're just like, oh, I don't know if I can do it. Like, what would you encourage them to do? Because um, obviously it's a very important part of their business. Mm. Um, what's those some final words of encouragement that you would leave with them? I would say marketing is just communication. So if you can mm. distill what you do down to how can I communicate as clearly as possible with my person, you're going to do well. And don't like, don't forget to continue to nurture your people and keep, keep showing up and adding value, but keep like reminding them how they can work with you to solve the problem. Love it. Laura, you're awesome. And uh, it's been a pleasure having you on the expert edge. Thank you so much, Colin. And I just want to say, thank you. You have like all of this stuff that I'm talking about, I would not have done any of this if you hadn't have given me the niche slap <laughs> to niche actually, slap. yes, the niche. Americans say niche and, and Aussies yes, say niche. niche. Which, yeah, I think yeah, in the UK they say niche. Yeah, yeah they definitely well. do as well. But Americans like to kind of like they do feet and inches and no one understands what that is except for Americans um, yeah. and, my, and my kids because they're basically... Americans now. Americans. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, but the, I the just, niche, the niche slap. I, seriously, I really appreciate it. And I, I've loved being part of your community and it's been an absolute pleasure. So thank you so much for helping me. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thanks, Laura. Why is it so hard to know what content to include in your speeches and webinars? Knowing which ideas to keep in and what to leave out is the difference between just getting claps or signing clients. If you're really serious about making your content highly persuasive, make sure to download the Persuasive Content Builder while it's still available. Go to www.persuasivecontentbuilder.com and get your step-by-step -step formula for designing and delivering content that connects with your audience and moves them to join your programs. Until then, we look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Expert Edge.